Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Well, it is getting hot here in South Carolina, and we are just over a hundred days away until the kickoff to a new season for the Gamecocks. Welcome into another edition of Believe in South Carolina. I am Mike Yuva. He is Nick Klaus. We also have former running back of South Carolina, Marcus Lattimore, and I'm going to have Marcus introduce our guest today because he is a very special one that Marcus has a history with. And it's my pleasure. Thank you, Mike. It's my pleasure today. Uh, to in, to introduce a person that, you know, when I speak of South Carolina and how do we, everybody asks the question, you know, how do we get back to that place? How do we get back uh, to where we were like a weld oil machine running, competing with the best in the SEC? Well, you grab the best from the state of South Carolina and he's one of the best. Uh, to 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 wear the Gamecock jersey, a South Carolinian all the way, starting his career at Fort Scott in Kansas, then coming to the Gamecocks. Uh, my teammate, my brother, a guy that golly, always had your back no matter what, Byron Gerardo. Byron, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's an honor. You know, you and Mike reached out. I said, of course, you know, absolutely. I don't care where I was, what I was doing. I was going to be on. That's what's up, man. Thank, th- thank you for real. Yeah. Um, I, so I want to go through your career real quick because you've been at a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know what that was like as you, you know, you've been all over. So you started at you know, right right after you finished Carolina, mm-hmm. you spent some time with the L.A. Chargers. I did. I did. Yeah, they were in San Diego at the time, and uh, spent, I was there. They, they picked me up as a free agent, uh, got through training camp, got to a few preseason games, and, you know, tore my rotator cuff. So I was placed on IR for a year. Uh, and I was, you know, it was, a, it was a tough year. You know, it really was a tough year just, you know, being hurt. And, I'm, you know, you can – you can relate to that as well, you know, not being able to do the sport you love. You know, it takes it takes a toll on you mentally. And um actually, you know, came back from that, but you know, just it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't right. It wasn't right. So I came back and got picked up by the uh Atlanta Falcons, got to rookie mini camp and it was still bothering me, shoulder still bothered me. And obviously they signed the I signed the injury waiver. So it was like, you know, if I go out there and get hurt, it's on me, you know, and I'm you don't have insurance. So it's like, well, here we go. Hang it up. So that's when I decided to hang it up and get into coaching. And it was, you know, the best decision I made besides what, hiring my wife. <laughs> was it was it hard hanging it up? It was. Absolutely. And it was a time when I was I was lost. Like I didn't jump straight into football. You know, I was going into law enforcement. That's originally why I moved out to Houston. I was going into law enforcement. I was like, you know, let me do this Houston Police Department. And I was I was ready. Like, I was signed up, about to walk in. 
how how did that happen? What so Houston? What why did you choose Houston? What, well, my, uh, what was the motivation wife, around Houston? My wife now she is she was living out there teaching. So Ali right. was living out there teaching. So we were like, you know, let's move out here, get an apartment, and uh getting I was gonna get into law enforcement, you know. So I was ready and I was walking in and I just had a I was like, you know what this I'm just not feeling it. I was like, I'm not feeling it. Like this just this isn't for me. It's in for me. And it was just a feeling, a gut feeling. And I just walked away. I literally threw the threw the papers in the trash and walked away. I was like, what's next? What's next? You know, and a big, big, big mentor of mine is Craig Fitzgerald. Craig Fitzgerald, he was the head strength coach for the Houston Texans at the time. So we were just talking, yes, talking on the phone. He was like, man, you know what? I think you really should try out strength conditioning. Like, just try it out. Just do an internship and See if you like it. If you like it, like it. If you don't, you don't. But I think that you would make a great strength coach. You got everything that you need to be one. You got the drive. You're a great guy. You know, you understand strength. You understand the football aspect. Like, and I was like, you know what? Let me try it out. Let me try it out. So reached out to Yancey McKnight, who was the head strength coach with the uh, University of Houston. And he allowed me to come there that spring and intern with them. Coach Herman was the head coach. And you know, that was their first year there. So, you know, things were all over the place. And so I got there and did the internship. And that's when I, I realized just being around the guys, um, being around the guys, that was it. Like just being back around football, you know, I was, I was working for free 12 hours a day, but it was still so fun. Like it was, it was so fun being around the guys and just helping them, teaching them things that I wish I knew when I was in college and I'm fresh out. You know, it just shows that you just just continue to learn, continue to grow, and you know, use that impact to help others. And that's when I knew that that was that was it. I think you. I mean, and you, you already having that experience, you mm-hmm. know, going through the trenches. But I, I, I can't. I can't really. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring back that point of you. You you had the papers, mm-hmm. and you tossed them in the trash. Yeah. You tossed them in the trash because you had a gut feeling mm-hmm. that something that uh, maybe maybe this is this is not right. What do you call that? Like what 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 is that? What what is that? What what made you do that? And but because obviously it was the I was right I was made sick. the right decision. You made the right decision, but honestly, it's spiritually, it's spiritual. Mm. You know, like for me, it was spiritual. It was like. To me, I feel like every decision that happens in life, you may not, positive or negative, you may not know why then, like in the moment, you're like, you know what, this, why, what's going on? Like, why me? You know, like, what's going on? Probably something good. But when you look back at it, the years, it could be six months down the road, 10 months down the road, 10 years down the road. You look back at it and you're like, mm, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I I had God like that's so good. I, I had to stop you right there because Mike, Nick, we've talked about this this element on the show before of you know, some things in the locker room are just invisible. Yeah. Or just like non tangible. And you know, it, it's well, you know, when you hear stories like that, you you're you're reminded that I don't know, there's just something that is unspoken that can you know, raise your level of discernment, which where you just make you you know the decision that you're making is is uh 
is not is not the one that's for you or mm-hmm. it is for you or mm-hmm. you know just being a part of a team and yeah. realizing that you know if if we if we can come together you know re- regardless of who else is on the other sideline regardless of how much talent they got spirit mm-hmm. team spirit co- a collective spirit is something that I just think is so uh just just underrated in sports in general yeah so, yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't even matter if it's football. I mean, Nick, we've talked about it before with, with him playing lacrosse at Tampa for a little bit before coming to South Carolina or as Nick goes into the, the working force, right, the working field, um, as we were just talking about a little while ago as he just graduated. That feel comes through experience, right? I mean, you know, for three of us on here, we all put, we played football. Nick played sports in, in high school. He had that chance to go down to Tampa and get that lacrosse taste. You understand what it's like to be in a locker room. There's a lot of similarities that come from when you play sports of being in a locker room and you can just feel it, right? You can just feel like it's the right spot. And sometimes you feel that it could be a spot that is not necessarily bad, but it might not be the spot for you. You know, I mean, we, we've talked about it a little bit before when I left Watch Fox. I mean, I was content over there, but I took a step out. Good opportunities opened up for me, and now I'm over at Gamecock Central, and I'm having the time of my life right now. So, when you and, look and, at and, stuff, all right, so Mike, there's no there there's nothing that th- there's nothing around that decision that was negative. It was just a feel, right? Yeah. Or is that and, what you're saying? Yeah, because I mean, shoot, Marcus, you you had to go through it. You had to go through it. Connor Shaw had to go through it. Eric Kimry had to go through it. I mean, we've seen it with Gamecocks. I mean, you know? Kimry is the perfect example because I mean, yeah. it was his dream. It was his dream job to be the coach at well, everyone on the outside. But, but everyone on the outside always wants to try to say why? Why are they doing that? And they have yeah. no freaking idea. And I know that's funny for me to say because I'm a reporter, so I don't necessarily know everything that's going on. But I try to build those relationships to get an idea of what's going on, even if I'm not reporting it. But it, but it's across just but across the board, whether it's reporting or sports, Mike, no. life. Life. Nick knows it too. I mean, there's there's the two sides to this I'm kind of seeing is like first off, getting back Byron getting back to to the locker room and the guys and being in that environment. I mean, that's a huge reason. I remember when I got into college, I knew I wanted to work in sports. I had no idea where I wanted to work. I considered, you know, going to law school, becoming an agent, that type of thing. But I realized that was gonna take me out of why I love sports which was being there, being in that environment. Obviously, as a broadcaster, you don't get that team, that locker room, feel like a coach does or something. But I wanted to be there, be on, be in the booth, watching the game, where the action is. So there's that side. And then also, I mean, in my job search, I've had to – I just took a job in Charlotte. I mean, that was all about gut feeling mm-hmm. because I've made wrong decisions. I've made internship decisions that I didn't feel like I should have thought about that more because you're young, you're stupid. It happens. You make dumb decisions. And then you try to use those experiences to make better ones. I took a job that was part-time and at a D2 school calling games because it just felt right. It was in Charlotte. I could continue to do this podcast. I could. They were allowing me to do what I enjoyed. And I was like, all right, I might not get paid as much, whatever. But it felt right. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and what, what happened was I accepted the job a few weeks later. Queens University of Charlotte announced they're joining the A Sun going D one. So my opportunities yeah. went up, but it was a gut feeling. It was it was I felt I was gonna be in the right place. 
And that's just like, like Byron said, that's life. I mean, you learn from your mistakes in the past and you kind of, you use those to make better decisions. And, you know, sometimes you just got to trust your gut. And that's what, I mean, all of us here have experiences doing. Mm. Byron, we're going to get back on, we're going to jump back into Houston and then continue to follow your trail. But Nick, what about sport? What, what is it about the sports environment or just anybody? What, what is it about sports that is gravitating? Why, why do you come back to sports? For me, it's just, I mean, I've grown up, I mean, since I was four years old, I was the biggest Caps fan. I grew up playing hockey and lacrosse. I played football too. I played any sport you could think of. My parents always said I just wanted to sign up for everything. And I just loved sports. I love the emotion it can bring out. I mean, my friends always say like, I I will sit around watching 30 for 30s that I've seen over and over just because like sports are amazing because of the stories they tell the people the the underdogs that have that we have seen i mean it's just amazing like i find myself watching uh, i'm a like i said i played lacrosse at tampa for a little bit uh, right now it's the ncaa quarterfinals for division one lacrosse i'm sitting there rooting for both teams just because i want a crazy game i just want it to be exciting i want the invite it's just the sports give me and i think a lot of people a lot probably you guys too they give you the feeling and just excitement and it's just a love that i've had forever and i've just always wanted to be around it i didn't want it to just be a part of high school and college i wanted it to be my life Marcus, and that's what a lot of people have three things camaraderie structure and winning that's what i'm all about and I told you before, and Byron, I mean, you, you probably had to deal with this a little bit when you get out of football, when you get out of sports, but especially football, when they're telling you, all right, you're taking a dump at this time, you're reading your mail this time, you're going to the weight room this time. And when you get away from it, it's just like, now what? You know, I'm so used to having to wake up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and that structure. And, I mean, that's a challenge that we talk about some of these guys that got drafted or signed by undrafted or as undrafted free agents. That's going to be a challenge for them, you know? This is different for them. They're not used to not having it. Marcus, you talked about this, that downtime. And Byron, you went through it before. So yeah. I think those three things can help you. And, you know, obviously I use football more than anything. But those three things, man, I don't care. I mean, when I'm covering sports, I want to win. I want to win for me and my team. I want to break every story. I yeah. want to be around everything. I love winning. Who doesn't love winning? Yeah. <sighs> man. It's um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got an I got an anxiety thinking about not being on the field. Um, you know, I I stepped back as more of a mentor, mm-hmm. Byron. I hadn't even told you I'm at Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. I, I I'm a mentor at this D three school. It's football. It's football. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't matter where it is. It's football, and it's in this beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. And I. <laughs> I thought about like, you know, stepping away for, for a year. And like, I, I, it's not, it's not even, it's nowhere near August, nowhere near September. And I started getting anxiety about like, I'm not going to be on grass. Like, I mean, it was, I don't know, but it's just a part of me. I can't, it's like etched into my DNA to, to like, I, I, there can't be a year in my life where I'm not on grass. Period. Uh, Period. (laughs) 
<laughs> Period. It's just, it's just, I can't do it. I mean, feeling the grass, like feeling my feet on the grass, doing push-ups on the grass, running on it. It's just, I can't, I can't, I can't live without it. But smell that um, smell in the summer. When you oh come my on goodness! That grass in that morning. Oh mm. gosh. Okay. All right. So, so Byron, we went to Houston. Spent some time at the University of Houston. Six months there. Then uh, I got job at App State up in Boone, North Carolina. Boone, mm. Carolina. Up in they got, that, I, it's so surprising that they there's so many App State fans, like, all, lo, all over the Carolinas. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll make that drive up that mountain. Like, like that. those weekends, Fridays, leading up to the games on Saturdays, all you see, cars going on up the mountain. Cars going up, boom. Uh, flags on. They got a crazy fan base. It's nothing on on that mountain but App State, and it's so mm. beautiful. Such a beautiful campus. Oh man, it was it was a great year. Um, we went. We had, that was actually their first year D one being able to go to a bowl game. So I was able to be a part of the first bowl win in school history, the Camellia Bowl. And that was that was that was good. We had a good good staff. Uh, Satterfield was the head coach. Mike Serenago. The head strength coach, um, but believe it or not, when I was there, it so that was like my you know their experiences in football. Like I said, all some things are good, some things are bad. Blah blah blah. It was it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I'm just keep real. It wasn't good. It was a bad. It was a terrible experience. It made me not want to work football. You know, to the point where I put in my 30 day notice and I left. Why's that though? I left, you know, it's just, just things, just things on staff. That's as deep as I'm going with it, you know, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. And mentally I was to the point where I needed to get away. So I left and came to South Carolina, called coach Dillman, came to South Carolina and came interned for Dillman. So like when I was first here, like when I was in South Carolina, people, oh, Byron, no, I was that first year I worked for free. Like I left App State a full-time job to come to South Carolina and work for free. I worked for free for 12 months. So, Byron, I got to ask you, though. I got to ask you because it has to be a point. And, Marcus, I don't know if you went through this point when you decided to leave South Carolina. I went through this point a little bit when I left Watch Fox. There's a part of you maybe a couple weeks in. You know, you have that honeymoon phase. You're feeling good and everything. But then you get to that point, you start wondering, did I make the right decision? You start second guessing yourself a little bit. How long did that last for you, Byron, until you felt like, hey, you know what? This is the right call. Because there's a lot of people that make decisions in life. And that's a challenging part because they're afraid of getting out of their comfort zone. I would say it took two years. Two years. Two years when I was at South Carolina. Wow. The two years I was at South Carolina before I got the opportunity to go to Tennessee. That's how long it took. Because mm. a lot of people don't know this, you know. I mean, we're on the morning schedule, so like when I was with that staff under Muschamp staff, you know, you get in the building five six a.m. You have practice in the mornings. After practice, you got the post practice lifts. Well, I'm doing that for free, so then I go over to Stanley Steamer, and I'm working with Suzanne Pucci cleaning carpets from twelve o'clock to about six or seven p.m. Seven p.m. I'm going to Seawells to do catering <laughs> 6 p.m. to about 8 or 9 at night. And then some, some nights later, then the next day you just do the same thing. Just to make some money. 
just to make some money to pay the bills to, to pursue the dream and the passion that I had, that I had, you know? So it was, I mean, it was tough. It was tough, but then I started getting, you know, these part-time uh, deals from the university, you know, part-time and recruiting, part-time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I was a part-time guy, but I was working in recruiting, helping out D-line, you know, doing everything, weight room. Then the opportunity came for me to go to the University of Tennessee. And that's when I was like, okay, here it is. But guess what? It was full circle because the guy who got me in, Craig Fitzgerald, who told me I, I'd be a good strength coach, he hired me at Tennessee. He was the head guy. He got the job at Tennessee as a head guy and brought me and Shaq with him. You know, it's like it's full circle. Like all all things can happen if you just put the blinders on and work, pursue your dream, follow your gut. You know, little things like that. But it's 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 you know, Tennessee was awesome. Tennessee was awesome those three years. Got me here the way I am today. Um, I mean, I I, I hate to retract. You know, I, I hate to retract, but I mean, Byron, your story has never really been easy. No. I mean, <laughs> it, you, you, you started your career with challenges. And I mean, the the, the town that you're from, yeah. you know, it, it, I, I've mm -hmm. I've 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 ridden through your town many times. Yeah. There, there's not much there. Nothing. Green Pond, South Carolina. I mean, so what was it like? So, I mean, you you've you've experienced a lot of challenges and obstacles and I mean, just, you, you've been a hustler for a really long time. What, I mean, what was it like? Has it always been like, like what was your upbringing like in green pond? Man, it was, you know, my mom, she's everything. My mom, seriously, like she is everything. She raised three boys, you know, my dad, he was, he was around, you know, but they weren't, you know, in the same house. You know, because she did it on her own. And we never went without anything that we didn't need. Like, we may not have had what we wanted, but we had everything we need. And food was on the table, you know. And obviously, we didn't, I mean, yeah, living in the woods. You're living in, like, it's not a house, you know. Like, we lived in the house. It was a trailer, single-wide trailer, you know, holes in the floor. Like, stuff that everybody got a story. Everybody just, you don't have the platform to get your story out there. You know, it was rough growing up. It was rough. But I had everything I needed. Was I bullied? Yes. That's why I don't have a lot of friends from high school to this day. These are the things that were said to me when I was younger. A lot of people don't know that. Hey. So, I mean, do, do you, the time that I've been around you, the time that we spent together, yeah. that the one thing that was always, always consistent about you that like yes you yes you eat up double teams yes you bully people you bully guards but you you had a positive and kind spirit does oh. that come from mom yeah. does that yes it does it comes from her you know always every day is a blessing when you're breathing and that's the way i attack every day tomorrow is not promise tomorrow is not promise get your right foot out of yesterday Get your left foot out of tomorrow. Put both of them in today, in this moment that you're in right now. Is yeah. that what helped you through those two years? Everything. That's what helped me through everything. Just mm -hmm. thinking about that, just being appreciative to be breathing, you know, <sighs> or taking the next breath. So why not impact others in a positive way? Why not, you know, just 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 be you, be real, just 
that's what I've always done. That's how I'm always going to be. You know, I'm always going to be me. And some people like it. Some people don't. I think I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people like it. <laughs> yeah, they don't like it. Screw them, man. But I, but I'll say this: it's it's so much easier to say what you're saying. It's so yeah. much easier to say what you're saying. And it goes with anything in life, right? I mean, just go look at the gym, for example. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a perfect example because you got to deal with it every day with recruits. They come on in, they're not going to be looking, you know, like uh, the Incredible Hulk. They want to go out there, they want to get big, but you're not going to be able to see that overnight. Yeah. But, but the like the size aspect, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're always a big kid. You're always a big kid. Yeah. In high school, you know, I was, you know, let me, let me think. So, Freshman year, I wrestled, and I know the the weight limit was two eighty five, right? In the state of South Carolina, did heavyweight wrestling. That was the only year I could wrestle because mm-hmm. is my you know my 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 sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school, I was three hundred pounds. I was three hundred pounds, and back then it wasn't even good weight. Like it was just I was just a big kid, and I was just using my size to play the game, but. You know, I, once I started understanding, like, okay, I got to, you know, start getting some of this bad weight off and all this stuff, then, yeah, and I wasn't recruited, like, super hard uh, because of my academics. You know, I didn't really lock in academically in my first two years of high school. And by the time the letters started coming in from every school in the country, I didn't have a grade. So I knew I had to go JUCO. I'm like, all right, so, you know, now I got to lock in on my, you know, my weight, my academics, you know, a lot of things. So you go out there in the middle of nowhere, it's in the woods of Fort Scott, Kansas. Like there's nothing out there but tornadoes in a Walmart. <laughs> you know, that's it. You know, but it was uh Fort Scott, Kansas. Coach Jeff Sims is the coach. You know, and we got some guys out there who, you know, made a name for themselves. Like I, I was there. Jason Pierre Paul was there. Levante David was there. Like we had a lot of talent down there in Fort Scott. And there was a lot of people who were in the same boat to where if they didn't have that opportunity. I mean, look what they did with their careers. Look what a lot of people from there do with their careers. Like, all you need is opportunity. You need a shot. You need a shot. And coming out of JUCO, I wasn't super, like, super recruited. I mean, it was like, yeah, I had some offers coming in. You know, the Nebraska's and the Gramlin's and the, you know, Ohio, uh, the Houston uh, Bobcats, stuff like that. But I'm like, not not Houston, Ohio Bobcats. (laughs) But, you know, it was like, okay, nothing was like, I'm like, man, I want to go home. You know, I want to go home. It was to the point where I was sending my own film. Like, I was sending my own film to University of South Carolina, like to to Coach Beamer, to whoever was on staff, to the staff. And I'm like, yo, it's just my brother, Julius, was sitting there emailing them out, emailing them out, emailing them out. And we're like, man, like, something going to happen. Something going to happen. Something going to happen. Never really heard anything. And communication. I had a few short convos with Coach Beamer. Um, but the call I never forget, and this is y'all, y'all look at me, y'all be like, man, like it's crazy. Like you just day by day, you just never, never know what's gonna happen. But you just gotta attack it and just you just gotta do it. And the day before signing day, like the day before signing day, I got a call and I'm like, oh, it's 803 number. Oh who is this? It's Coach Beamer. Coach Beamer. And he called and said, look, Byron, you know, we got a scholarship with your name on it to go to the University of South Carolina. And I, I accepted it on the spot. I said, overnight that to me now. You know, but, like, how does that happen? How does that happen? Like, it something happened to where now being in football, I know oh, it was an opportunity. 
you know, something probably fell through with a different prospect or something. And they're like, hey, like, but that's to me, that's number God. You know, because I'm sitting there like in Kansas saying, I want to go home. Like, I want to be at the University of South Carolina. There's no place else mm-hmm. I want to go. I remember, you know, my mom driving us up to Columbia when I was a kid. And you make that turn on 77. Mm-hmm. See William Bryce Stadium right there. Just I remember that from when I was a kid. And we weren't even going to the games. We were just riding by going to Charlotte, you know, or something. But she was coming, driving up here to go do, renew her nursing certifications, you know. But I would always see that stadium. And I was like, you know, I'm going to play in that stadium. I'm going to play in that stadium. You know, on the day before signing day, I get the call. And if that call didn't happen, I probably wouldn't be here working right now because me and Coach Bean wouldn't have that relationship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, know, I mean, just, just, yeah, it is. Just hearing you talk, man, it's just, it's like, man, I hope. I hope all of the high school kids are hearing this, man. It's just, it's just so important to like. No, I I hear I hear so much in your story. Yeah. You know, I just I hear I hear intention. I hear, like, just perseverance. Like, so important. I mean it. So you, I mean, obviously you grew up a Carolina fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Got pictures of me as a kid, you know, with the Gamecock shirts on. Like I said, riding by the stadium. You know, never really had the opportunity to go to a game, but I mean, it meant so much for me playing here to have family so close. Because you know, without that, they probably would never experience going to a game or or being in the stadium or going traveling to these SEC stadiums to come, you know, see me play and experience these venues and you know, things of that nature. Like, what, what, what was it like? What was it like the first time, you know, you, you get the call right before signing day, mm-hmm. right before you, 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 he overnights it, you sign it, you know, you're going to South Carolina. What, what is it like stepping on campus? Like yeah, I, I'd never even been on campus. Like I, I just signed. I was like, yep, go on. The spring game was my official visit, and I was already I was already signed. I'm like, yep, I'm here, <laughs> you know. But uh, it was awesome, like coming to that spring game and you know experiencing it. And it was it was a spring game, but it was it was a good crowd, great crowd. Ty was going, you know, meeting my teammates, uh, Shaq Wilson and uh, who was it? Shaq Wilson and Trayvon Robinson hosting me, so it was good to see them there. You know, I had to challenge somebody in a foot race because you know everybody's sleeping on the big boy, thinking he ain't got the wheels. So I raced JT Surratt, I want to say, because he was on his visit that weekend as well in the Woodlands parking lot. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was a great experience just being being here, you know, meeting the coaches and my family up here. They had dinners, California Dream, and the whole nine. Uh, it was it was an awesome, awesome experience, and you know, it, 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 I knew that it was home. I knew was it was it home. Was it the croissants of California Dream that got you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So what was what was it like for you? You just talked about your visit, but when you finally put the jersey on, I mean, you said you've been driving by the stadium. Mm-hmm. You've been dreaming of that. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you finally, you know, came out 
in Willie B for your first game? What was that? Was that just a dream come true for you? Oh yeah, it was, it was. And, you know, being here, um, being an early enrollee, you know, we got here and got the experience to spring. No, actually, yeah. Got here early in the summer. So, you know, we got a few practices under our belt. When that first game came on, I think it was Southern Miss, right? Southern Miss, we had uh, just, you know, here in 2001 come on, you know, really from before then, getting ready in the locker room, like coming to the locker, you know, seeing your stuff there, name on your jersey, like it's Chris. I'm like, man, this is this is really a dream come true. You know, and walking out, seeing the cameras on you, it was – you can't even explain it. You can't even like describe the feeling I would say, but it was knowing what I've been through, what it took to get there. Like the only word I can describe it is a blessing. Like it's just, you feel blessed. Like that is the feeling like just being blessed, like looking up at it, looking at where you are and just like it's one person to thank that's God. Like, obviously, you can say, you know, skin tingling. I don't know what you want to hear. Skin tingling. Oh, but, I mean, it was, you know, it was a blessed feeling. It's like, man, you know. But, I mean, Byron, you you manifested it. You, I mean, you, you sent it to God. and <laughs> Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I mean, when you're given something, it's great. But when you earn it the oh. way you really did. I mean, Earn. the hard work you put in to get where you were, to get where you wanted to be, I mean, it just tastes that much sweeter because you yeah. earned it. You fully earned it. Yeah. Well, as a, as, a play, as a player, Byron, you, what do you attribute your what, – what do you attribute your – your your success to like how, how were you able i mean because you, you were dominant for us you mm -hmm. know for for a, a a long span i mean and it was the 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 prototypical the prototypical defensive lineman you know aaron donald's kind of changed that changed yeah. that perception <laughs> now but yeah. the prototypical lineman he wasn't you know six foot six foot one mm -hmm. how were you how were you how do you attribute what do you attribute your success to as a player? I would just uh I played like I had a chip on my shoulder, honestly, because I knew, you know, that the reason I wasn't probably getting a lot of looks from certain schools was mainly due to my height, you know, because they're looking for six three, six four defense alignment. There's not a lot of six one out there, like you said, you know, and I'm I knew that, you know, I had ability to strike, and I had ability to shed blocks, I had ability to learn. In the system that um, Coach Johnson, Coach Ward, and Coach Lawn, you know, had, and just learned it to the best of my ability. Did all the, you know, went through all the plays. Uh, we had walkthroughs when it wasn't walkthroughs. Walkthroughs, you know, in the hotel, walkthroughs at each other's houses and stuff like that, just to make sure we all understood the playbook, and that helped out a lot. But I would just say, just I played like I had a chip on my shoulder, and I knew that I wanted to get to the next level. In order to get to the next level, you got you to lose weight. You got to lock in on nutrition. You got to do your extra cardio. You got, and I did all the little things to make sure that if the opportunity didn't happen, it would. I wouldn't look back on it and be like, man, like if I would have just did this, or if I just would have did that, because in life, 
that already happened, you know, in my young life in that age, looking back at JUCO, looking back at high school, like everything was just continuously getting better. Even if it was a setback, the next thing happened to make that better. You know, so I was just like, okay, that was my, that was my, pat, my, my, my why. You got to find your why. You got to find your why. And my why was my mom, you know, making sure that she had everything she needed, making sure that she was taken care of. And I got to do what I got to do to take care of her, you know, because she took care of me. And, you know, it's crazy. It's one of many whys, one of many whys. What? Why? Why were we so dominant? Why was our defense so dominant during that time? Because everybody held everybody accountable on the practice field, and we were family. You know, we got to. We, I mean, think about it. We got together when it wasn't practice going on and talked football, played football. You know, watch film, walk through, you know, not all the time, but like we did things like that together and we helped each other accountable on the field. Like we didn't want offense to get a yard, even if it was just a, a, a walkthrough, even if it was, you know, seven on seven. If it was, you remember that? I mean, come on, like we, we were out there getting on each other, like on each other for running the wrong play. Like, you know, like, hey, Byron, get in your gap, like, you know, getting everybody right, making sure the, the plays flow the right way because we know if you did everything right, it's going to work. Are you seeing you, that? Are you seeing that right now, though? Are you yeah. seeing that more with this team? Am I seeing that more? If they continue to gel? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, so you've been a part of kind of three different eras of South Carolina football where as a player – and then you were interning under the in under Muschamp, and then mm. now you're on staff with Beamer. Are there similarities you see from when you were a player to how it's how it is in the locker room now, how it's run now? Any differences from how Muschamp did it? I mean, just the similarities and differences of those three separate and unique times you were here at South Carolina. Yeah. Um, so you basically asking like, um, are there any similarities between the seat? Like, what, what you want? Like, I'm like spur. Like you talked about, kind of. Mike went into this a little bit. You talked about that real family environment that you had when you were a player, and that's kind of what Beam. We talk about it a lot here. How Beamer yeah. reaches that. Yeah. Is there a lot of similarities you're noticing between? Where you were when you were here as a player to now as a coach, and then also was it that way when you were under Muschamp as an intern, or was it different? So I was, you know, Beamer was on that staff in 2010, and he, I feel like he definitely preaches, and we all have preach on the same things, you know, positive energy, trust, communication, accountability, and you know, it's it's I feel like it's working, and I'm. I'm very pleased with where we are in the direction that we're going, you know, like, I feel like, you know, it's not nothing, nothing happens overnight, you know, but as you continue to chip away on the things that are being done the right way and, you know, just keep it going. Like we're here to win, you know, we're here to win and we're here to build, you know, men, build guys into, you know, strong men who look back at, I mean, cause you know, think about it, right. With football, 
1% is going to go to the NFL. You know, what what's, what everybody else going to do? Like, it's, it's bigger. To me, it's bigger than, than wins and losses. It's bigger than wins and losses. It's bigger than, you know, it's just like you just got to help these men. Like, because they, you, you know, you – you don't have bills, like you you get your meals, you know, you get everything. You get everything you could possibly imagine having. You know, and then after that, life is gonna hit you. Life is gonna hit you, you're gonna have bills, you're gonna have to take care of, you know, some kids, families, like things of that nature. Like if you help them with things, communication, trust, like telling the truth, like communicating things, like, hey, um, you know, the train got me, I'm gonna be a little late. Like, okay, like going to class. You know, stuff of that nature, like going to study hall, uh, you know, turning in your assignments on time. Like it's so much behind the scenes that these guys, these college athletes have to go through or are going through that's that's not practice. That's not practice. You know, it's like, man, like you got a lot. You have a, as a college football player, you have a lot on your plate. You have a lot on your plate. You have the ability to do it. Yes. You got to lock in. You got to lock. You might not have the time to do a lot else, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's, you know, you're teaching these things because accountability is, Beamer's huge on that, huge on accountability. And it's, 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 I'm, I'm glad he is, you know, because it's going to help these guys after football. Like if you don't call your boss and say, hey, man, I'm going to be a little late, you might get fired. You might, you might not have a job, you know, so just, teaching them things that's going to help them later in life along the way in football and later in life. Byron, how much, you know, I hear you say these things and, you know, it's, I mean, it's music to my ears, you know, just being a, I'm kind of, I'm almost like an academic liaison mm-hmm. as well and a mentor, you know, I, I stepped away from on the field coaching. How much have you, and, and, you know, a lot of these things, you know, I look at now as a as a mentor, as somebody just, you know, trying to deliver instruction to a young man and help them grow as an individual. How much have you grown, you know, from a from player to your first year in coaching to now? Like what how's you, how much have you grown and how and how does that how was that? helped you now in this position that you're in? I would say I've grown, man, just it's like night and day. You know, you, I look back at some old notes or some old, you know, programs I made, and I'm like, man, like, what was that? You know, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, like going through the ups, going through the downs and coaching as well, you know, it's helped me to just attack each day a little harder, you know, but it's also – Help me to see the good in it and, you know, see some people who may, you know, I'm big on family as well. So, you know, in order to make time, like my wife just had a baby, you know, a newborn. And I'm like, okay, I got a 10 month old daughter now. It's like, okay, Congrats. I don't, we're just, congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that, that makes me look at, you know, life, coaching, all that different. I'm like, okay, you know, like, I don't want to miss your games because of work. That's how I feel. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't, if you got something going on to play, I don't care what it is. I don't want to miss it because of work, you know? So how do you make that work? How do you make that happen? You got to have a boss who is 
open, who's, who, who's, you know, has a family and is big on family and big on things of that nature. Cause you know, you, he'll understand, you understand. So, you know, it's, I've, I've grown uh, tremendously from through the ups, through the downs, through the moving around, you know, um, it's, it's definitely, definitely I'm where I am. I'm where I want to be. And, you know, it's just the beginning, really. This is just the beginning. Like it's, you know, I don't want to be an assistant forever. <laughs> What's the goal? What's the ultimate goal with you? The ultimate goal, I want to be a head strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. I want to be a head strength and conditioning coach. And, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, to make that happen. And the opportunity will present itself. We don't know when. I don't know when, but, you know, I'm living it. It's going to present itself. Since you mentioned that title, can you share with us what Luke Day has been able to bring to this program? Because we hear so much positivity about what he's been able to do since he arrived at USC, and you realize it. I mean, shoot, if I want to blow some smoke up your butt right now, I mean, the strength and conditioning coaches, those are who the players are around the most. That's why I think it's funny sometimes, and it's maybe because it's just – Maybe it's just the ignorance or the fact that fans on the other side, majority of them, not all, don't realize how much the players are around the strength and conditioning staff. Mm-hmm. So when he was hired, there were some people like, all right, we're waiting for that next position, right? Whether it be the running back coach, whatever it may have been, people weren't as maybe excited about the strength and conditioning coach, but they don't realize how important that role is because they're around them more than the head coaches. Huge. Like we were around the guys all the time, you know, like June, July, you know, August, like what month are we? We get back January, starting the spring. Um, no, nah, but Luke's a great guy. He also he really is. He's a great guy, and I you know I'm appreciative of him and Beamer, you know, for bringing me back home. And he, you know, he's big on everything. All the, I mean, we have the same core values, you know. But he's taught me things that I didn't know when I was, you know, when I got here, and it's just it's huge. Like he echoes to the guys. Um, all the right things. He's a great speaker. You know, the programs that we put together or, I mean, I've never done anything like this, like coming in, I, I was, you know, everybody has different philosophies and our philosophies aren't the same, but, you know, being able to merge them is huge. So um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Byron. So you, you're working with Luke day now. You've you've worked under a bunch of you've worked under multiple strength coaches. Oh yeah, worked under Coach Fitz, Tom Yancey uh, McKnight at University of Houston, Mike Sirinago at App State. Yeah, Luke the, Day. With with every stop, every stop you've been with every coach that you've been, ha- have you taken bits and pieces? Uh, I know, you, you know, I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, it may have not have been the best experience at App State, but mm-hmm. did you learn something anyway? Like, Absolutely. have you learned every, have you learned at each stop that you've been at? Absolutely. And that's, that's one thing about it is like each stop that I've been, I've gotten to take something from it. You know, like I said, that something can be positive. It could be negative. More than likely it's one of each from both. Something positive, something negative, a whole sheet, you know, pros, cons. How I would do things, how I wouldn't. You know, I feel like I'm just, you know, as I'm going throughout life, as I'm going throughout this, this, you know, this day by day, I'm um, taking things here and there, with how I would do it, how I wouldn't do it. So, you know, when that time does come for me 
to be a head strength conditioning coach, I'm, you know, I'm just not going to miss a beat. I'm ready, you know. You, I mean, being, being a coach at this level, I mean, obviously you, you, it's a whirlwind. Like you, you, you're, you're nonstop, you're on go. Yeah. You, you, you've been, you've been across the country. You know, you've been from Cali all the way back to the East coast and everything in between yeah. with a wife with children. Mm -hmm. how, how have they kept you balanced? Like, how do you, how, number one, two parts question to this. How did that, how have they helped you that piece of your life, that element of your life, but also two, how do you take care of yourself with the, the hectic, I mean, cause your schedule, I, I know the strength, I know the schedule of a strength coach yeah. and it is, and it is, uh, you got to be on. Mm -hmm. How do you balance all of that? I would say, uh, first off, you know, my wife, Allie, she's awesome. Uh, you know, we just had our first kid. She's nine months old, Adeline Lane. She's so beautiful. And they motivate me daily, you know, like, that's my why. Like, you know, high school, and we're talking about when I was in South Carolina, like, what was the why is my mom, you know, but now, it's my wife. It's my wife and my daughter, you know, and everything I do, every decision I make might can impact them, you know, not just me, them, because we're family, you know. So um, every morning, not every morning, but the mornings, you know, that during this month of May, being able to just wake up and, and see my daughter, you know, it's, it's, it means a lot. You know, it's good to see her because we're on a morning schedule at South Carolina. So 5 a.m., I'm up, 6 o'clock, I'm at work. So she gets up at 7, that's six days a week. So in the spring, you know, I might, it's Sunday morning. It's the only morning I really get to see her wake up, you know? So these two weeks of just being able to see her wake up, you know, have been a, a huge reset. And I know every, a lot of dads out there, I hope they all feel that way. The way that I feel is just, I want to be around her a lot. I want to, you know, hold her. I want to, maybe this is my first one. I don't know, you know, but it's call me soft if you want. No. <laughs> But you know, my wife, she uh she she's holds holds it down. She's getting her master's right now at the University of South Carolina. So she's working from home, getting her master's and being able to take care of the kids. We don't have to have her in daycare. So that's very beneficial. Um, but you just gotta have a good plan. We got a good plan. You know, I'm usually home by about four o'clock, four PM. So I'll take it over then and she'll get her classwork done. You know, but this is good. We got it's really good being with a school on a morning schedule as far as schedule. And that's another thing as far as that, because I've seen, seen it done different ways. I was in Tennessee, we weren't on the morning schedule. So you got, you know, practice in the afternoons, you got classes during the day. And then you be still there in the morning as a strength coach. We're still there at 6 a.m. And you're still there at 6 p.m., 7 o'clock at night. Whereas here at the University of South Carolina, being on the morning schedule, you know, the guys are not around in the afternoon. And I'm just, you know, get home by four or five o'clock. It's good. It's real good. So a schedule really helps you, um, but you know that family, that family aspect is is well needed. And then the second part of your question was, I missed the second part, Latin. I mean, it was pretty much like I mean, you you kind of answered that. How how do you balance? Yeah, you just got to. How, how do you balance all of it? Yeah, and it's it's. You got to have a good plan. You got to have a good plan. And you got to be a team. Like, just like we talk about football is team, team, marriage is a team as well. 
you know, it's a team. And that's <clears throat> that's the way I look at it. It's a team aspect. You can't I can't put it all on her. Mm. I can put it all on me when I get home. She's doing her class. You gotta gotta merge, you gotta work together. That's what it's all about. Byron, you mentioned it earlier, and it goes with everything you're saying right now. You know, last week I had the opportunity to run into you at the Beamer Ball, mm-hmm. and you just see, and I shared a little bit of it because there was no other reporters there. So I'm just like, you know what, Let, let's share a little bit of it. And I want to give people that that taste of what that was like. And Nick and I, we talked about it the last episode on, on Believe in South Carolina. But usually when you have events like that, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Usually it's about, you know, just k- kissing butts to the people that are donors and making them feel good and this and that. I didn't get that feel from this. I've been to so many of those. I didn't get that feel. I got the feel that everything was genuine and authentic, that Shane Beamer, his wife, Emily, the coaching staff, they all went around and they were genuinely appreciative of the people that were there. And whether it be the Kirk Collinsworth of the world, some Mm -hmm. of the longtime boosters, the longtime fans, they felt that. They truly felt that. So we hear these cliche words all the time, right? The love. Um, that's in the building yeah what 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 is it like being on that other side though because we hear that right we hear oh there's a camaraderie there's a brotherhood every locker room tries to talk about that but when you talk to players and people within this program and seeing events like that last week up close it just feels like it's completely different that it's like i said it's authentic it's genuine it's not just these slogans that you see posted up on walls when you walk into a building yeah and that's that's a good point, and that's that's very true. You know, love is is real, and you got to surround yourself with real people. And I feel like that's what you know Beamer's really doing a good job of that with the staff. Is how does he do it? How does like what, what would you what would you say is just different though? Just being a part of this team. I mean, I would say the. Uh, mm, is it just that feeling? Like you can't even describe I mean, it's it. The, I would just know it's, it's there. You can't even really describe it. I mean, it's just it's just happening. Like I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not about to try and go too deep on it. Like I mean, I think, yeah. you know, it's just happening. It's something that Beamer is doing as far as you know, putting his staff together and you know, just helping everybody. Just I mean, just being real, just being you. You know, everything is gonna fall in place if you're real and if you're you and if you. You know, if you say something, you're going to do something, you got to back it up or you got to do it. If you don't do it, then guess what? You, you're not a man of your word, right? We all want to be men of our word. We all want to, you know, do the right thing. And so we just, we're just going to do it. I mean, I don't, you know, you say love, but love is a deep word. Love is tough love out there. You know, tough love. But guess what? Tough love leads to real love. Strength and conditioning. That's a strength and conditioning coach. You don't always... I'm, I'm the line guy, you know, so when they come and you go to touch this line, if you don't touch your line, the rep's no good. And the guy, mm-hmm. I think he got the rep, but he didn't, you know, and I'm not going to say you got that because that, that's the difference in a first down and a touchdown. That's the difference in getting the touchdown. Yeah. Like, you know, so if you keep echoing things like that every day and, you know, doing the drills and I mean, it's a lot behind the scenes that's going on that's helping shape what's happening. You know, and it's I could go for days on, on it, you know, but it's I mean, just shit. What you saying? I mean, I mean, that's how they know. That's how they know you care about them. Yes, exactly. That's how that's how you know. And I'm call me the bad guy right then, but when you look back at it, oh man, that, you know, right. I, I appreciate you holding you, you you're gonna appreciate me holding you accountable. What did you say in one of the first episodes 
And it's not like I'm, I'm, I know it's I know you didn't necessarily come up with the quote, but I thought it was so perfect. They don't care oh. how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yes. And I just think I keep thinking about that quote. I just keep thinking about it because it's the God's honest truth. You can know everything in the world. Mm-hmm. You can know everything in the world, mm-hmm. but they want to feel loved. And mm-hmm. I know people on the outside, they're like, well, you know, some of them are getting paid. They're professional. That. Still college sports. Yeah. You're still dealing with 18, 19, 20 year old, 21 year old. They're still trying to figure it out. Some of them are facing challenges, maybe a little faster, mm-hmm. or I wouldn't say challenges, but facing adulthood a little bit quicker, right? You think of the Josh Vans of the world. You think about Cam Smith having to grow up a little bit quicker, but that doesn't mean that they're still not a, a young man. They're still learning what life's all about. And that's what I was, this is like going back to what I was saying, just like how they have a lot going on outside of football, like the guys, you know, and just we have this thing in Derek Moore. He does a, a tremendous job, you know. Awesome like, person. Well, awesome person. We do these three H's, uh, highlight, hardship, and what is it? Highlight, hardship, and dang, I forgot the third one. It'll come to me. But, <laughs> but uh, you do more of that. Hardship and something. Whatever. But we have the guys do it. And hearing those stories, you know, hearing those hardships, hearing those highlights, hearing the, the oh, I think whatever they want to know, they want like it's just hearing it, hearing those stories from those different guys, and you're like, man, like that is powerful. Just to know that they have been through some of those things, and some of them are going through some of those things, you know, and still you have class, and still you have workouts, and still you have to go to the dome, and still you got to, you know. Like that's why I'm that's why I'm a strength coach to be here for them, to hold them accountable to, you know, just help them. They help me, believe it or not. Like, like, come on, come on, just being around them. Like, I could I could have anything, anything on my mind. I could be having a bad day, you know. But then, as soon as that that workout starts, it's like, all right, here we go. You know, here come these different characters, these different guys. You know, these and all of them are different. Some of them remind me of some of my teammates I play with. You know, it's. It's wow. It's just they, it's it's that that environment creates a place of just like openness. Mm -hmm. Like just because you're going through the same shit, you're struggling through the same shit. You 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 you. Again, it it just goes back to that word family. Like, and I mean, when when you when you bring people together all for a common goal. Like one unified goal, and, and it's it's just something that being a part of a group, being a part of like a tribe, it's it's in us. Yeah. Like yeah. we we want to be a part of that. I I got to ask you, Byron. I mean, I, I think I mean you you've you've pretty much answered it over this whole podcast, and I know we we're short on time, but for for our players, for our student athletes in the locker room, what what do you want? them to walk away with I want them to walk away looking at you know the past three to five years that they've been at the university and not have any regrets not have any regrets not look back and say man like if I would have you know got a little extra cardio in if I would have you know, maybe locked into this class a little more. If I would have, you know, maybe went a little harder on this play. 
if I would have hydrated a little more, if I would have, you know, put a little more weight on the bar, if I would have, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of, you know, things out there that can, if you look back at it, you're like, man, if I would have did this or did that, like, maybe I would have, you know, went to the league or maybe I would have not been in the situation I'm in. I just want them to look back at it like I am and be happy, be, 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 you know, humbled with you, with the path that you've taken, where your life is going to take you, where you are, and know that you did everything you could. Yeah. Well, more believe in South Carolina, but first I want to tell you about our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your budding needs in sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, big thank you again to Byron and Jared for coming on and joining us on Believe in South Carolina. Guys, gave us a great perspective on not just where this football program is at right now, but taking a look back. And Marcus, you asked them point blank, what helped make that defense as dominant as it was on top of the fact of just who he is as a person. And that's who South Carolina has part of their program now. He's special. I mean, it, it was a it was a really special podcast. It, I mean, to hear it from somebody who was in the thick of it, you know, with the in the SEC, it's defensive line, you know, and he was a part of one of the most defensive, dominant defensive lines during that time span in the SEC. And I mean, we heard it. I mean, it's accountability. It's the extra. It's the the those extra things outside of outside of practice. Uh, stepping stepping through at somebody's house. I mean, you you care about it, and and I mean, sounds like we're on the right track. Uh, when you got somebody like that, when you got somebody like that who's coaching the D line in the weight room, I don't know. It's pretty pretty special. Well, you get you get that interview, and a lot of, a lot of the time, I'm thinking like, I want to ask things about what's going on in the program. I mean, how is that, how are they going to look next year? What, like it's some insider things, but then you just get mesmerized by his story. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's that I was locked in on just hearing about how he was brought up, how he got to South Carolina. I mean, talk about someone who's earned everything and worked his ass off to get it. And so I was just, it was just amazing to hear his story, how he's gotten, how he got to the University of South Carolina, how he found his way back. So I just thought I just thought that was an amazing interview. And also, I mean, all three of us are former, technically me, former college athletes in a way. Come on, Nick, and, we'll give it to you, <laughs> and um, dude, there's something, there's an addiction to the grind. There in the fact that you see so many athletes after they get out. And I wanted to talk about this. I just kind of forgot about it, but then Mike jogged my memory. It's just like, okay, you stop playing. So you just get really into the gym or you get really like something like that. I mean, a big reason I wanted to become a play-by-play broadcaster is it because it was a new, it was a new craft. It was something I had to work at. I had to practice. It was my new grind. It was my new thing that I had to work for. 
and get coached on and stuff like that. And so like, it's just uh, former athletes, you just have an addiction to want to work hard at something and, and just want to grind. And so yeah, I heard that in his story. I know Mike has talked about, I'm sure Marcus, you, you do too. And, but, um, that was just something I it was a great, it was a great hearing his story. So it was just a great interview. I mean, to that point real quick, Nick, though, I mean, it's like, it's proof. It's proof that whatever you set your mind to, you can be great at. That's what sports has shown me in my life. Like my, I mean, Mike, Mike being, you know, who he is. I mean, I know a lot of it. You got to attribute the sports. You know the habits that you built. I mean, Nick, the the fact the fact that you got a job, but you know, like some people get jobs, but you're excited about the job. Why are you excited about the job? Because of what you're about to like indulge into, like the the grind, the the, the fact that yeah, it may not be perfect at first, all right. But after a hundred takes, after two hundred takes, after three hundred takes of learning a whole a completely different school and their traditions, their history, their sports. I mean, it, it just shows and you know, I don't know, sports 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 is like a superpower. I mean, because you know, not every every walk of life doesn't have that privilege of being a part of a struggle. Like and struggling over something. It's just proof that you can do whatever you want to do. Kids play sports. Doesn't matter what it is. Just play of, a sport. Trying to think of the uh, the saying that Eric Kimry and Luke Day say all the time. I think it's struggle well. And if I'm off on the word, I apologize. The phrase, I think I got the phrase right. Struggle well. Struggle well. Struggle, struggle well. well. They they uh, Mike. They're both avid readers of Carl Jung. Carl Jung is this psychologist from Germany, Austria, one of them. But he has a he has a book called Modern Man in Search of a Soul. And that's one of the quotes in the book. Life is life is suffering. Struggle well. And I mean, that kind of sums up. Yeah, that, that sums up Byron's story. <laughs> you talk about Eric. You talk about Eric Kimry. I always felt dumb. Not that it says much, but I always felt dumb. Anytime I sat down, we grabbed beers when he used to work at Hammond before he went over <laughs> to USC because he'd go off into this philosophical rabbit hole. And I'm just oh, like. Man. I'm like now I feel even dumber than I felt like. <laughs> I, I was just I was just thinking I was like I, Marcus needs to send me like a reading list and I need to kind of brush up. <laughs> so I'm a reading list, <laughs> guys. Before we do wrap up, though, I want to get your, uh, your your quick thoughts on this. Some news that took place last week: South Carolina adding a senior analyst to their staff, and that being Freddie Kitchens, a guy that look. I get it. Some people are going to look at, oh, look at the, what he did at, at, at Cleveland as a head coach. It's like, all right. But also, this guy has a lot of experience of coaching in the NFL. He was in Arizona for 10 years, worked with Carson Palmer, was part of that Super Bowl appearance that the Cardinals had. He also has coached at Mississippi State as an assistant, LSU. And then he was Mr. Football at Alabama before going on to play for the Tide. This is a guy that has a lot of experience. And if you look at it, from a standpoint of what Georgia has been able to do over the last couple of years, look at last year, bringing on Will Muschamp as an analyst. You look at Alabama. Uh, people make the joke kind of like it's the rehab center for coaches, right? You go and you work on Nick Saban's staff, uh, and he's able to rehabilitate your career. I don't see any downside to this whatsoever. And, and if any Gamecock fan is getting upset by this, get, what are you what are you upset about? There are. There are. 
there a hundred percent are because I'm I'm in group chats with did Gamecock Freddy, fans. Did Freddie Pork your wife or something like? Why are you he, mad at Freddie? He's bringing the he's he's bringing he's bringing some virus down here. That's oh, what it is. He, he's dude. he's bringing COVID down here. Oh what do you, my what gosh! You, what's your overall thoughts though? Seriously though, with, with adding Freddie Kitchens to the staff, he's been an NFL coach. I, he he he's. Did, did you do we need to read that that track record again? Do we need to read the do we need to read where he's been again, or do or or is it uh, did not did people not just hear that? Uh, What's the downside? It is a senior analyst position, which I'm not trying to um, take a slap at Freddie by any means, because at the end of the day, it's what the head coach determines what that position is. But it's essentially like a glorified GA position. Like there is no harm with adding a guy with that much experience on staff. A, an, another perspective from someone who has, I mean, the the experience speaks for itself. I'm just gonna leave it at that. But yeah. it just adds another perspective, like to the room of, of already brilliant minds. You know, so I mean, it's only going to enhance us. And Coach Beamer is not gonna bring an asshole into the building. So it's just it's really just as simple as that. Uh it's a great move. It's gonna enhance every part of our program. I'm excited Freddie Kitchens is a gamecock. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, there are a lot of people who are upset about why do we bring him on? Because I it's it's literally just his attachment to the Browns. That's the right. only reason. You have no other justification. If if I were to read yeah. you his resume before the Browns, you probably wouldn't have had a clue. So, but I mean, that makes sense. You just don't know. You make that snap judgment. I mean, he's a, a how much knowledge he has of the game and even of the SEC and of the, the college programs that he's been at. I mean, you can't, it's not a negative. There's no way it's a negative. He brings something new and a lot of knowledge to the University of South Carolina. And like like Mike said, it's a glor- it's like a glorified GA position. I mean, it's still very important, but I mean, there's no harm. There's absolutely no harm to bringing him on and I think I think it's going to be good and you know, South Carolina fans, you just sometimes jump at it and you know, it's the Brown I it's seriously, it's just the attachment to the Browns. What else are you going <laughs> to put that to? I do want to add this, though, because I think it also says something about Shane Beamer. It shows that he has humility because he's been Mm -hmm. able to bring a guy like Pete Lumbo on, who obviously has a tremendous mind as a special teams coordinator, but he also made him his associate head coach because he has head coaching experience. You bring Freddie Kitchens in, you have another guy that has head coaching experience, and this guy's done it in the NFL. So if anything, it's going to allow Shane to really be able to focus on – the little details, the details that can make a difference between winning six or seven or eight games, just those little minute little details because he has confidence with bringing an extra guy on that has head coaching experience and saying, hey, look, if I need you to look over this or that. I trust you. I trust mm-hmm. you to do that. And what uh, I, I honestly just didn't know, Mike or Marcus, did you? Does he did he have an attachment to the University of South Carolina kitchens? He just. No, sure. but he his connect. Well, yes and no, no in this regard, um, and this is where I think it came from. He used to work with Shane over at Mississippi State, so that's where their connection is. 
Yes, and I don't want to exactly say the sport or anything like that because I don't think it's fair to throw it out there right now. Maybe at some point if he does. Um, I do know, though, for the last couple months, Freddie had been coming to Columbia uh, with one of his children because one of his children was getting recruited for a sport up here at South Carolina, and I believe they are committed to said sport. So that is um, that certainly doesn't hurt the fact that he was coming up here. Um, and, he other, and he has a connection with uh, Jody Wright as well because the two worked with each other with the New York Giants, and Jody um, will be the new tight ends coach at South Carolina. Freddie, two years ago, was the tight ends coach for the Giants. So that's nice, too. Doesn't hurt. Yeah, I was just I was just really thinking, I mean, Beamer's trying to build something special here at the University of South Carolina. And when bigger names are starting to be drawn to it and come and want to be a part of it, that that's a big deal. And, I mean, he didn't really have much of a connection. That does work out that his kid might be coming here so that um but no i think it's a it's a great addition and i mean south carolina is can continuing in my opinion to thrive under coach beamer so it's a good sign for south carolina fans the, yeah this is uh, and you know what jimbo and and, and Saban with their little few they keep <laughs> look if they keep if they keep that going shit, we, we're gonna end up beating both of them you know so because i mean this, this ain't nothing but Marcus, do you have any thoughts? Do you think that was tactical? Do you think that was done on purpose to wake up the the, the boosters of Alabama? Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, he weighed in on it. Just want your overall thoughts, and we'll wrap this episode up. Oh, man, you think so? Oh, shoot. I mean, when you say that, it kind of implants in my mind that it might have been strategic. I don't know. But, man, I, ho I hope they keep it going. It's exciting. Well, SEC Media Days has come up. The only unfortunate – there's good there's, – and I said this before on the on the Insider Forum on Gamecock Central. There's some good and bad news. The bad news is, unfortunately, Nick Saban speaks on Tuesday at SEC Media Days, mm. and then Jimbo Fisher speaks on Thursday. The good news is, for Gamecock fans, Shane Beamer also speaks on that Tuesday. So we'll hopefully be able to have something. And I feel like if the person that's not going to hold back, it's going to be Jimbo. So depending on – the 1 million questions Saban's going to get so pissed off. I can already see it. I can already see it. Yo, he, I mean, Jimbo called him out. Oh, he called him out. He called him all he the way out. out. But I can see it right now. It's not the, you know, Johnny from the Tuscaloosa daily or whatever the heck the newspaper is down there or, you know, al.com. It's going to be some guy from Kentucky covering the Wildcats or whoever, some other guy or girl that's down there covering a different team that's going to ask the same question over and over and over, and it's going to get to a point where Saban just freaking loses his mind because the yeah. way they do it, it'll be in Atlanta, which will be at the College Football Hall of Fame, if I remember correctly. I don't know if they're going to do the exact same way, but typically in Hoover, you go from um, – the radio row, or do you go from press? You go to the press room, to TV, down to the radio. I believe TV, the TV room, is one of the last rooms. And I'll, I'll admit it, you know, a lot of the TV people usually ask the dumbest questions. So um, at that point, and without, with Atlanta, the way it's set up, you have to really walk. Hoover, you just go from room to room to room. This, you have to walk, like, from building to building. Saban might not be in a good mood from walking and then being asked the same question. So if he goes into the TV room at the very end and, you know, oh, Susie, Susie from Lexington, Kentucky for, you know, Channel 56 News 
Hey, Nick, you know, what's your thoughts on uh, everything that was said between uh, you and Jim? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, goodness. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be great. Uh, Yeah. But, fellas, I appreciate it. We appreciate everyone that has been listening. If you are listening on iTunes, be sure to leave us a nice little review. Five-star uh, would be nice as well with the rating. And if you guys are interested in sponsoring this program, be sure to reach out to us. You could find my uh, Twitter, Mike underscore UVA, to be able to shoot me a message. My DMs are always open. You guys have been listening to Believe in South Carolina. We'll do it again next week right here. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.